Welcome everyone, we're Bas Hashem, going to start Shalom Bayashir number 147. Uh, this is going to be the um, summary, the end, the last shear on infidelity for now. Um, we were talking about a shear, a lecture that Moshe Zev Lam gave in regarding the subject and um, just relaying the main points, but if you Google it, it's Kedai to listen to the subject itself, uh, especially for those that it's Nogeya too. And Hashem should save us from such painful subjects, Mikan Laba. Anyway, so we talked about the tough questions of the hurt spouse when they want to know something, and the hus- the 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 one that un- was unfaithful needs to be totally honest because if they lie, the marriage is over. They need to be hundred percent truthful. They don't need to say the sordid details. Um, you know, we talked about whether the hurt spouse, whether it's wise for them to ask for that or not, depends on the person. Generally speaking, a marriage can f- heal without knowing those pratim. Um, and the hurt spouse really needs to know themselves, be honest with themselves, that if knowing this would cause them more hurt, more pain, and more obsessive thoughts, and maybe could I not to ask. But they know themselves, and they have to really evaluate it. But they need to realize, though, is that if we're going with the assumption, the working assumption, like we said, that he's going to be 100% truthful, so you have to be quite, very careful when you ask him the questions because then he's going to answer it. But the things, the questions that you could ask besides the details that you may want to know is what caused you to want to behave this way? And why did you feel that you needed to do this? And those are discussions that have to be discussed. And um, again, not during the crisis mode. Again, the, the, these conversations are not possible in that initial crisis mode. And like we said, sometimes the marriage has to end. You know, if the, if the, if the unfaithful spouse is not humble, not taking responsibility, uh, doesn't want to end the relationship, um, you know, and, uh, or, the, or the hurt spouse was so hurt that they just simply can't get over it, and they went through their therapy, and they realized, I can't get over with it, then the marriage may have to end. But if it, even if it might work, in the crisis phase, it, these decisions cannot be made, you know. And um, so that's very important to know, that you have to wait for that, those emotions to calm down, to get to the point where at least there's that decision-making ability where they could sit down and have some discussions with a therapist if needed, of course, probably is needed, and it going going to be, um, you know, discussed that way. Now, he also discussed, though, if even in the crisis mode, um, if let's say the hurt spouse, this happens sometimes, the hurt spouse says, I want to kill him, and I'm so hurt, but at the same time, I do want to take walks with him or do things together with him. Is that crazy? The answer is it's not crazy at all. Or if the hurt spouse says, I want to kill him, I mean, you know, and, and I don't know what to do, and I'm so hurt, but I want to be intimate. And she wants that. And if possible, and they both want it, it's perfectly fine. And uh, again, the hurt spouse obviously has to be fully wanting to do this. And, um, and sometimes this happens in therapy. He, she says, I yell and scream that he should die, drop dead, and I want to kill him. And, uh, and then... The, the emotions saw the opposite way that, you know, I still want to connect and I want to be intimate and I want to uh, spend time with him. 
should I do that or am I being not real? The answer is yes. And the, the, those, those seesawing of emotions are perfectly okay. And this is especially too, true if the hurt spouse is okay with it. If the hurt spouse wants to do things, even in the crisis mode or decision-making mode, to build the relationship, there's no, nothing wrong with it. It's even a very positive step to do this. But again, it's not expected. If the hurt spouse feels I, to, they want to um, isolate and not engage, of course. But if they feel those emotions they want to, it should not be discouraged. So that's another thing he said. And, um, and basically, then he, he, he talk, talked a little bit about the rebuilding phase. And in the rebuilding phase, he stressed the point that um, that the trust is shot. Even in the rebuilding phase, there's an acknowledgement and an understanding that the trust has been betrayed. The trust has is gone. The trust has been broken. And they need to work on it as a workable assumption. Again, that's what we talked about before. Uh, to move to that 50-50 of that the hurt spouse takes you know, responsibility for the marriage going forward just like the unfaithful one. And um, they need to realize sometimes also as they're rebuilding, their emotions could come back and they could fall back into the crisis mode again and, and build back up. It's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster, which is also normal. But the lack of trust is normal. And, but still, the hurt spouse needs to know that there should be a workable assumption in order to move forward as if I can trust you and then see what happens. In other words, I know honestly, emotionally or objectively, I don't know if I can trust you. You don't deserve to be trusted. It's been broken. But I'm going with the workable assumption as if I can and work through my daily behaviors and interactions with you as if I trust you. So then we go back to what we originally said that you live on values, not feelings. In other words, basically, is, is that you, you say to yourself now, I may not feel like smiling. I may not feel like trusting you. I may not feel like doing anything. But I made the decision. I want to make that workable assumption that you're telling the truth, that it's over, that you're humble, you're taking responsibility, you're remorseful, and you want to work it through, and I'm willing to try. And even if you feel the opposite, but if you live on those values, which we're going to talk about a lot later, on how to sometimes live on the values and disregard the feelings, that is a very healthy thing. It's hard, but it's a very healthy thing that creates a lot of healing. Be Messiah this with a muscle, Ramesha Zev Lam said, a beautiful muscle to understand this. And this is a question that Moshe Zev Lam got from the hurt spouse in all phases, in the crisis phase, in the decision-making phase, and in the rebuilding phase. They asked him, what do I do with the pain? Now, is there forgiveness down the road? Yes. You could be Michael. We talked about this before. You could forgive. We spoke a little bit about this in the first year. You could forgive. Even though the trust is broken, you could forgive. But forget? He'll never forget. The pain may always be there. In other words, he really is cynical of those who use the expression forgive and forget in the same sentence. Because forgive, yes, you can. But forget? Who forgets? You can't forget. Then what? So how do you get past the pain? So he gave a beautiful muscle. And I want you to remember it because the left to Roshim on me, 
my opinion, I never met him. Moshe Zevlam is a big chacham, whoever he is. Ashrecha, I would tell him. And uh, it's good I listen to him directly. And he gives this beautiful muscle. He says he has a small office. And in this small office, he has a couch. And it's a big couch in that office. It's in the side of his office, and it's a big couch. That couch, when he it identifies the room, when he goes into the, his office, people come in, they realize right away it's the office that has that big couch. Then what you do is, is if you take that couch and put it into a huge ballroom, a huge chasana hall, and put the couch in the corner of that chasana hall, it's the same couch. But now in that ballroom, um, the couch doesn't define the ballroom. At You'll see it. But it doesn't define the ballroom as that couch defined that little office when it was in that little office. So in the nimshal of this, it's like this. The couch is like the pain. And when you have the couch in an office, a big couch in a small office, the pain is in front of your face. It's a big couch in a small office. It's there. It's in front of you. It's, it's, and it's real. Then what happens is, as you rebuild your marriage, or if the marriage ended and you're rebuilding your life, either way, in the hurt spouse, either they're rebuilding their marriage or they decided not to continue their marriage and they're divorced and now they want to rebuild their life. Either way, you're moving that couch, that pain, and you're spreading the office. You're not in a little office anymore. You're building your life larger into a ballroom. And in the context of that ballroom, the couch is different now. The couch is still there. The pain is still there. But in the broad spectrum of your rebuilding your life, it's not as acute. It doesn't take the main focus of your life anymore. So it's not shot that your pain disappears. It's very real. It'll never go away completely. The couch will always be there. But it's either the couch in that little office room or the couch in the big house in the hall. But it'll be there. But in the big chasana hall, as you broaden your life, widen your life, enrich your life, the pain will be more bearable and put into proper context. And then as I was thinking about this, I remember something that Y.Y. Y. Jacobson said. He was talking about the death of his father and how someone described to him. I don't remember exactly, because I listened to him. But he said an unbelievable yesoid when his father passed away. Either someone told it to him, this Ryan... Or, um, you know, he, he came up with it himself. I don't know. I don't remember. But basically, he said, how do you deal with, if you're very close with your father and the fa- your father passed away, how do you deal with such a loss? How can you get rid of the pain and the loss that you feel? And the answer is, is you don't. But it's like this. It's when you, uh, it's a mashal amahadavadai. He also gives a mashal. You walk into your living room and there's a big hole there. There's a big hole in middle of your living room. You can't do anything about it right now. It's there. You can't fix it. It's there. That's what it is. There's a hole in your living room. Your father passed away. There's a hole in your life. It's a void. The pain is there. But what happens after time in life, as Hashem helps you grow and as Hashem helps you heal, you go through that laha in this muscle. You go to the living room. You see the hole. It bothers, it bothers you like crazy. A hole in the living room. How am I going to live in this living room? But as a month goes by, two months, a year, two years, three years, four years, you go in the living room and you're able to function in life 
and you work around it. And you have your Shabbosudas there, your Yantasudas there, your Simchas there, and the whole is there. And you know to go around it. You're fully aware of it that it's there. It didn't disappear. But you're able to cope with it. You're able to handle life with it. You're able to continue on with it where it doesn't uh, traumatize you to that effect. You see the whole. It's there. There is a pain there. It'll never go away completely. But you learn how to adapt to it and live life despite the fact that there's that hole in that living room. And with loss, sometimes it works that way too. Sigh with death. Cholila should never happen to anyone. Where that void can never be replaced. The pain will always be there in a certain sense. Even though it says that a mace is forgotten after 12 months, it doesn't mean it literally. It's never completely forgotten. There's always going to be some pain there. But Hashem makes it in a way where there's healing, despite that knowledge of that pain. And the same thing is pertaining to infidelity. If it gets to the point where there was already the crisis phase and they went past it. And then there was a decision-making phase and the decision was, we're going to work on it. And then there's a workable assumption of trust, even though you don't fully trust yet. A workable assumption. Let's assume that and work, behave that way. And they work on it and they start on rebuilding it. And they do rebuild it. And their marriage becomes, not only survives, like we said, over 70% uh, um, of these marriages survive more than 70. I've got the statistics I, I quoted, but uh, they could thrive too. But then the question is, what about the pain? Will that ever go away? It'll never fully go away, but it'll be like that couch in a big, huge ballroom. It'll be like that whole in the living room, where in that living room you will, despite that hole, continue to have simchas for your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and see beautiful Paris there, despite the loss of, of, of a loved one. And that's the way um, it is um, it's expressed, and it's a beautiful muscle, and it's something to remember, not just for this subject, but any type of trauma and pain that a person experiences in life. And they ask, how do I deal with this? How will I cope? How will I look, move on? And, and, and right now it seems impossible. How could I live in a living room when there's a hole in that living room? I, I see it. It's, it's like a sore. I can't, you know, it, it's killing me every time I, I look at that hole. Or in Rebbe Jacobs's case, the loss of his father. Or in the case of the hurt spouse, the fear. But the fear is like that couch. The fear is like that hole that is there will always be there. The hurt may never go away completely, but the healing is there. The, the, the life widens, and there's a refua, and, and, and it transforms into a deeper dimension, and, and, um, and that could bring a tremendous healing. Have a wonderful day, and may Hashem help. You know, if this subject may come up again, and I'll bring it up again, um, you know, because it's important. And I felt, you know, it, it's been a while since I discussed it, and then I heard this shear, and I decided to share these last few shiurim uh, talking about it again. Um, so I hope it helps, and uh, may Hashem help again that um, we should work towards preventing such things from happening and with the safeguards and everything that's needed. And if it Khalila did happen, that there should be healing and growth from it. Hatzlochem bracha.